welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And you will not believe who I have in the studio. How's it going, Scott McNulty? Oh, it's go. Oh, you gave away the secret. Hey, how's it going? Scott McNulty here. I'm <laughs> filling in for Scott McNulty. Uh, yeah, I got Scott McNulty's brother, Scott McNulty, to come on the show. We are identical fraternal twins. With the same name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> different birthdays though yeah it's it's a long it's a complicated genetic history but uh just trust us yeah um <laughs> so we're gonna record a show about narco saints which is um an interesting topic but i learned about them from this book you lent me um going back to the books with scott series um uh, oh no actually you didn't lend me this book you gave it to me for my birthday I, I bought you a copy yes um and it's called god's middle finger by our boy richard grant rg um and when did you first read this book uh recently i think about three months ago okay yeah um and uh it was a page turner like i i read it in three days which is really fast for me that's fast for anyone um i just couldn't get enough and in I the agree. book, Richard Grant, um, he wants to travel through the Sierra Madres Mountains, which are in northern Mexico. Yes. And very few people have like traversed all the way through them. Right. Um, and when did what did his fascination with them begin with? I can't remember what piqued his interest. Well, Richard Grant, uh, for those who uh, may not have listened to our Dispatches from Pluto uh, series, is an author, is a British author who now li- who's lived in America for, I think, 20 years and spent uh, a lot of that time living in southern Arizona and um, was married to a woman or lived with a woman in Tucson and uh, somehow got fascinated with... I mean, he's a world traveler anyway, so mm-hmm. he somehow got fascinated with Mexico and Mexican culture, and particularly this area known as the Sierra Madres, which is basically like a huge mountainous, cavernous, very rugged, uh, scary terrain, both physically imposing, but also the culture there is a very, very hard scrabble, um, rough around the edges culture, famous for, you know, uh, basically incubating criminals um, and revolutionaries like Pancho Villa is, is from that area. And now a lot of the uh, drug cartels, uh, their main operations are based there. It's, it's a, essentially a place where the, you know, the Mexican government uh, can't really get a handle on. They can't, you know, there's no law. So they, they just run their own shit down there. Um, yeah. So it's interesting throughout the book, we, he talks about basically to travel two miles by truck might take you an hour there because the terrain is so rough and a lot of the areas there's canyons that are deeper than the grand canyon like yeah there's three i think three canyons he said that are deeper than the grand canyon which is amazing which is yeah it's wild and there's it's just super steep rocky and so it provides a place where criminals can hide out, right? Mm. Because it's really hard to get law enforcement in there. And also there's some tribes that live in there that remained untouched for a long time. Oh, yeah, like the Tarahumaras. I don't know if I'm saying that right. That uh, seems right. <laughs> yeah, Tarahumara or Tarahumara. Yeah, they're basically kind of an uncac- uncontacted tribe until like the 20s or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the the geography of it explains how um, 
culture is so unique because it is just so isolated. You can't really get in there. Um, there's also a Mormon settlement down there, which is really interesting. I don't know yeah. if that's where Mitt Romney's people are, fr- are from. It is, yeah. Is it? Okay. In fact, that was this was in the news recently. Uh, that, that same family that was uh, mentioned down there, the LeBarons, uh, that founded that settlement. That's all. You know, several of them were killed a couple weeks ago. Oh by, yeah, that's right. By Mexican drug cartels, basically, in what was either a, mis- a case of mistaken identity or a targeted assassination. They don't really know, but. Um, yeah, and a lot of people, their reaction to those headlines was, "What were Mormons doing in Mexico?" And I don't n- not. I mean, the headlines didn't clarify right. that actually they have been there for a hundred years because yeah. when the Mormon Church. Uh, divided on the matter of polygamy. Some mm. people who wanted to stay polygamous moved down there and continued to live there for generations. Yeah, so there's like these white people that were have like they they were born and raised in Mexico. Their parents and grandparents were born and raised in Mexico, but you know they're white and they speak English, and it's weird. It's yeah. a whole weird thing. <laughs> um, so uh, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's a super unique place. Um, and it used to be mostly like homesteading, right? Like it was, yeah. su- do, you, do they call it subsistence farming? Yeah, I mean, everyone down there kind of lives subsist. You know, it's uh, it used to be, you know, like uh, some raising some cattle and uh, very low-level subsistence farming, you know, growing enough to just feed yourself and your family. Because you can't get to food. It's not like they have... Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not they it's, don't have real good soil and, well i was gonna say it's not like they're trucking goods in and out because it's right. so remote so you have to kind of grow your own or provide for yourself locally because it's not yeah they're not shipping in food there's no walmart <laughs> no uh there's a lot of beer and drugs though well and now a lot of machismo <laughs> there, there is so so it used to be just like farmers and they were doing their farmer thing and then the economy kind of changed. Um, it, it seems like there's a lot of logging going on and um, mm, that mining, yeah. mining, logging and um, uh, uh, land kind of being taken over by either the logging companies or the drug cartels. Um, And I read on the internet that in the 1970s, when they cracked down because cocaine was a thing, um, they cracked down on... (laughs) I think it still is. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely uh, it is. It's such a bad drug. Don't do it, guys. It's it's really ugly. And the older you are, the less you should do it. Yeah. Um, So, by the way, I had a guy at my bar last week, like a regular... And he has the font on his phone huge because he's fucking old. Yeah. So he has old man font on his iPhone. So I can read that he's trying to buy cocaine. <laughs> like he's texting someone to score cocaine, but in giant grandpa font. <laughs> like on his jitterbug phone. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, I'm sorry, but if you need your font to be an inch high on your cell phone, you're too old to be doing coke. Like, (laughs) get it together, uh, Pappy. So anyway, so the the U.S. government, I guess, cracked down on drugs coming in from Colombia. And so basically Mexican cartels stepped up to provide for the insatiable u.s desire for drugs and so um in the 70s drug trafficking uh really amped up in mexico yeah and i think that's when the sierra madre became an even more dangerous and lawless place than it than it once was it you know i think it was kind of 
you know, it, it was sort of like uh, just a lot of proud, independent farmers that didn't take any shit from anybody because they were so remote and far removed from the, the seat of government. And then it turned into these are straight up gangsters. Like these are, you know, people that are involved in some really bad business and they will, you know, kill anyone that happens to wander in there. And uh, Richard Grant's like, I'm going to go hang out there for like three months. <laughs> I, <laughs> <See what> happens. <laughs> I think several people who were familiar with the area or even had lived in the area told him like they people, yeah. will, they recreationally murder people there. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not a big deal to kill people. Like they can just be drunk and killing you might feel fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, and it was really interesting Um because he travels all through it and he he documents his in uh, his exchanges with people and at the end by the end of the book he has this really violent physical reaction to um just like he has a breakdown because he's the machismo has really gotten to him oh yeah because rape is part of culture i think um you can rape a woman uh, but then if you marry her, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, there's no charges. So a lot of young girls are raped and forced into marriages, and, like, there's a lot of domestic violence um, and just a lot of, like, uh, I don't know how to describe his exchanges where you always have to have your chest puffed out and, like, yeah, uh, being a man can be so exhausting sometimes. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, it's it can be exhausting just here in mm-hmm. the states, uh, but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't handle it down there. That would be another level of machismo that I, I, I don't think I could fake my way through. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's very uh, uh, ugly to me. Like I just yeah, am very uncomfortable yeah. with um, yeah, you know, sort of dick measuring pissing contests. <laughs> it's just not my yeah. thing. Um, and so one of the things that he discovers that is a tone throughout the book is like, cause basically, okay, picture, cause narco culture is the dominant culture. So picture yeah. how in, I would say like most urban centers, like hip hop culture is like a really dominant culture. Right. You see kids who are dressed hip hop, they're listening to hip hop. That's a, that's a dominant culture. And then in the Sierra Madres, the narco culture is the dominant. So there's a certain look to it. Yeah. And they have like hats and belt buckles and stuff. And the songs they listen to are called Narco Corridos, which is like a take on folk songs. But they're about like drug dealers like this guy, you know, sold this many drugs or. I mean, it's no different than American gangster rap, really. It's the the same kind of concept, you know, it's like singing about slinging, slinging drugs, you know, growing drugs, selling my crop, you know. Yeah. And and it's like the local heroes. So like the local heroes of rap, if you're in like a local rap scene, it'd be like you'd hear songs by and about like the big dudes in that area. And so. So this is like the same, like each town he'll hear songs about like, you know, certain cartels. Um, And they so he notices this running theme with them and that also they worship. They have their own saints that they worship. Yeah. Um, And that's why I wanted to record this episode because I was like, I, I really something about like this culture where it was. They're these bad guys. Right. But they still have religion. Yeah, I think it's like a question of um, I think it's almost like it comes down to Catholic guilt because Mexico is a you know primarily a Catholic uh, country culture and you can't really pray to Jesus to like help you with your your drug problems you know be like I, I need to sell my drugs and I hope I don't get caught 
please help me, Jesus, because, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, well, he's not going to help me with that because I shouldn't be selling drugs. So you have to find someone else to pray to. So they have these these folk saints, uh, which are basically unofficial <laughs> saints, uh, apocryphal type figures uh, that, that you pray to and help and ask for help and guidance in, in your business matters. You know? um, yeah. And I, I'll scratch the surface because I don't know a lot about Catholicism. I went to Catholic school for a year. It's super fun. Um, I, the church was like. <laughs> It was more interesting than, let's say, a Mormon service, but I was raised Southern Baptist, so it was less interesting than our mm. service. <laughs> yeah. Um, no one was talking in <laughs> tongues or jumping around. It's uh, a shame. <laughs> I, have, I have high levels, uh, like high standards of entertainment that I expect <laughs> from a church service as a result of being raised Southern Baptist. Um, but I read this article that was saying that in Catholicism, there is a history of official saints being like turned around like former bad guys. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So they have San Dimas who is, uh, uh, known as the good thief. And he was a robber, a murderer, and a thug. He was crucified next to Jesus. That's right, yeah. Um, but he recognized Christ and basically said, remember me in heaven. And then he got into heaven just because he was like, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and also uh, it's he later founded the town where Bill and Ted uh, would have their most excellent adventure. Is that true? Oh. <laughs> San Dimas High. <laughs> yeah, San Dimas, California. That's right. That's right. Um, and apparently, St. Paul, who's the main founder of the Catholic Church, he used to be known as Saul of Tarsus, and he was into uh, killing Christians. Yes. Um, and he had an epiphany on the road to Damascus, and he becomes St. Paul. Um, but he admitted to his dying day that he was a sinner. So there is like a history of um, Catholic saints who were former bad people. St. Augustine's a big one, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I wrote notes about that. He Um, was, like, all into orgies and and just being being awesome. (laughs) Just being an awesome party boy. Having fun. Yeah. And then, you know, when he was, like, 40, which back in those days is, like, being 80, and he's like, you know what? Just kidding. I love Jesus. Boom. I'm a saint. <laughs> that's that's wild. I mean, it does. The, the Christian religion focuses a lot on forgiveness. Yeah. So it makes sense. And so like this one interviewer who was interviewing um, a cultural historian said, so is there room for these narco saints to one day be <laughs> accepted as true saints? And the guy said, well, probably not. But I mean, you never know because historically, you know, that yeah. that can happen. Um, and uh, yeah, it's so basically the economy of this area sucks. Like it sucks and there isn't you can starve or you can go into the drug trade. Yeah. And um, because I was reading that the, uh, did I write this down, Um, about the murder rates in there? Because the murder rates are crazy. Um, I guess I didn't. I thought I did. Because it compared, oh, yeah. Okay, so there's Juarez, which is over across the border from El Paso. Right, yes. And in El Paso versus Juarez, the murder rates are five to 3600 like, oh yeah <laughs> that's the amount the difference in the murder rates just between those two yeah. neighbor cities because of the drug trade like five murders in el paso for every 3600 murders in in uh, juarez i've been to both el paso and juarez actually. really oh yeah well i mean back in woo, 1999 yeah i sp- spent some time in both those i was 
uh, in El Paso for like a month. It was when I was in the in the military. We were there for an exercise. Oh. And uh, wasn't even supposed to leave the base, let alone the country. But I actually went into Mexico, uh, I think twice. I spent like a whole night in, in Juarez just getting drunk with my buddy. And uh, we slept in this dude's car. There was like this guy that worked on the base. He was a Mexican guy, but he had a get a job as a, like a private contractor on the military base as as a dishwasher. Okay. <laughs> and because uh, they can't get military guys to do that, apparently not. I mean, even though I know I washed a lot of dishes, but uh, they, uh, yeah, we talked to him and became friends with him. I used my rudimentary high school Spanish to talk to him, and he. He's like, yeah. He's like, I live in Juarez. I'm like, oh, you live across the border? He's like, yeah, I just go home every night, and I just come back here. And I was like, oh, can you like give us a ride into Juarez? He's like, yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to come back. You'd have to stay the whole night there. And he's like, you can't come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah, no problem. So we just like went. We went there. At, uh, we basically like snuck off the base. Uh, we'd be like, we're in the, his back seat with like blankets over us. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, and like went into Mexico got really drunk and and uh yeah just got really drunk and um i think there might have been some ladies of the night involved and then uh we uh he left his car unlocked for us in front of his house and then we just like i don't know like two in the morning like found his car and got in there and just went to sleep for like two hours in his car and then he came and drove us back the base and then we were just like showed up showed up for uh for revelry, you know, like <laughs> kind of swaying back and forth, you know, in formation. And uh, yeah, I remember like our sergeant was like, you guys were you guys were not in the barracks last night. We're like, yeah, we were like, where else would we go? We're like, you weren't here. And I was like, no, we, we were here. <laughs> like, like how wh- where are we how where are we going to go? It's the middle of the desert. <laughs> Just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, you know, something, that's a whole aside. <laughs> if something had happened to you, no one would have known where you were. I know. Yeah. I mean, you don't think of these things when you're 19. <laughs> no, 100 percent. You don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've taken trips to Mexico with no cell phone because i am that old um that you just we didn't have cell phones or like maybe one person had a cell phone but uh they didn't work in mexico yeah because it used to not like cell (laughs) cell phone service this is like my anti-talk to my young children (laughs) cell service didn't used to be like nationwide or international like it would work in your city but it wouldn't even work outside of your city because there weren't cell towers so um so yeah you'd go to mexico and there, you no one had cell phone service and yeah. you would just be a bunch of 18 19 year olds shit-faced in a foreign country with no way of getting a hold of anyone yeah i mean this is even before like this is long before i ever even had a cell phone so, yeah yeah this yeah it could have been a, a disaster but uh you know just <laughs> but it worked out okay <laughs> worked out i'm still here <laughs> um yeah so basically like you have a, a country with religious roots and because of the economy and stuff, people are forced into criminal trades. Like, and, yes. and so I say that as a way not to villainize people because, you know, if yeah. the option is starve to death or have your family starve to death or you have to join up with a cartel, then you join the cartel. And a lot of times it's like you kind of get like forced into it where they're yeah. like, we're taking over your farm and you can either give it to us and join us or we're going to yeah. kill you. Yeah, and also there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of these, you know, family farms, they're gro- I mean, they're all growing marijuana, some marijuana, either mm-hmm. some or a lot, because that's the only cash crop. It's the only crop they can raise that they can actually sell for money. So they can, gr- so they're growing like vegetables that they themselves will eat, but the only way to get actual currency is to grow 
marijuana. And a lot of these people are not like criminals. They're just farmers, you know. Uh, and there's some that, like you said, that, you know, get, you know, you know, more involved in the in the cartel side, you know, probably the younger guys that get more in the, involved in the violence and stuff. But I'm sure they just get swept up in it because what are you going to do? It's well, everywhere. Yeah, it's know? everywhere. It's the dominant culture. And you're like, OK, because like a lot of the natives and locals, they wear shoes made out of old tires. Like yeah. it's just tires strapped to their feet. Or you can have really nice cowboy boots and like a yeah. nice truck. And yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's really hard to say no to that. But people don't want to let go of their religious roots. So um, it, this one person said they're forced into walks of life they'd rather not be in. Um, and so they have their own saints so they don't have to hide <clears throat> from religion because they would yeah, they would be treated one way if they went to a traditional church or even feel uncomfortable going to a traditional saint. Mm. But now they have saints that they don't have to leave religion behind just because they've kind of been forced to or ended up in this criminal lifestyle. Yeah. And I think also um, just from that perspective, the uh, I mean, this is going to sound derogatory. But I don't mean it that way. But from like that, if you grew up in. A, a peasant family, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, uh-huh. a, ver- a very rural, uneducated area, you know, and you are raised with religion, like Catholicism, just because you go into the drug trade doesn't mean you're all of a sudden going to like be like, well, I'm not religious anymore. I mean, that that kind of stuff is it's going to stay with you. It's it's inbred, you know. So like you said, they have to be able to to pray to someone, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, that's where these these narco saints come into play because they're they're not going to just stop praying and stop believing in the sort of magical universe where, well, if I pray really hard, you know, someone will help me get the shipment across the border or whatever, you know, like that that kind of you know that kind of thinking is going to continue no matter what. So you just need a direction to to point to it put in. it in. Yeah, um, yeah I want to talk about a more recent one before we move into like the big one. <clears throat> Um, cause there's a more recent one who kind of showed up around the year 2000 and it's Santa Muerte and she's a lady, she's a skeleton, yeah. white bones, jet black hair, and she wears, um, lady clothes. Uh, it said like, <laughs> yeah. like a non outfit or, um, uh, or, um, what you call non or bride. Like she wears a lady, like clothes yeah and um, she's basically like lady death right that's yeah and and she holds in one hand either a scythe which would be Mm -hmm. death right or sometimes it's a scales like a scale of justice Mm -hmm. and the other hand it holds the world so she's like got global power um and worship of her is often portrayed as a cult like there have been because the the government wants to portray association with these saints as being like directly tied to the drug trade or cult activity um because there was this weird murder in like 2003 where this uh american who was living or working down in mexico he disappeared Mm. and his skeleton was found on this farm of these people who were involved in the drug trade but like they had all these bones and like pots and like witch mixtures and they were doing weird shit to to, like so it was like a santeria type of thing Mm. and so the government i don't practice santeria no (laughs) 
for I, the younger kids, that was a sublime reference. They know that because people <laughs> Worst will not. Band ever. Yeah, people will not stop playing it. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. I've, of all the bands from the '90s that you could pick to keep playing, why? Who keeps playing Sublime? It's like a way of saying I'm white trash and I'm here to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the government will take these instances of like finding cult activity or like weird, like witchcraft activity and be like, this is what the worship of this saint is like. So this saint is purely evil. <laughs> um, but she's, she's popular amongst, um, like she is popular amongst criminals. She's really popular in jail. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, this, um, lady in Northern Mexico, her son, got out of prison and he brought her a statue of Santa Muerte and she put it in her kitchen and she cooked tortillas for a living out of her house. So mm. she would leave the door open so people could come by, see her cooking, whatever. And they were really taken with the saint. And so people started bringing, being like, can we bring her offerings, whatever in her mm. house? And it became so busy. She moved it to the street out front of her house. And I uh, watched a documentary, like a short documentary about it. And she has, it's kind of like, um, it almost looks like a fruit stand on the sidewalks in New York City where there's mm. the poles with the tarps between them. Oh, yeah. And then the saint and people can come do the offerings. But there'll be a line around the block to see it. And so in 2003, someone founded a church around it um, called the Mexican U.S. Ap- Apostolic. Is that how you say it? Apostolic. Apostolic. I'm, I'm a sinner. <laughs> the Mexican U.S. Apostolic Catholic Traditional Church and it was a really progressive, quote unquote, Catholic church because they promoted condom use. They were open to gay people, trans people, priests could marry, women could be ordained. Divorce wasn't looked down on. So it was like almost like a new age of the Catholic church, like one that's like open to people mm. and less judgmental. Like it's yeah. meeting them where they are actually at, yes. where people are gay and they're trans and they get divorced and they commit crimes like shit fucking happens yeah and this was the shit happens church and they were like wear a condom for fuck's sake (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um so of course it was only a church for two years uh until the government revoked its status as a religious organization Mm. but it's still open especially this one shrine people still go to it and there's big money in it because people sell like the shit that you buy to worship saints like the candles and the yeah. incense and stuff so a lot of people are making good money off of um santa muerte um and so yeah she i guess she's she's newer uh and she's pretty popular people like her a lot i um so i first became aware well i didn't really know what her name was but i first saw people uh praying to uh santa muerte <laughs> thank you very much um in a documentary uh, I watched on Netflix a couple of years ago called Whore's Glory. Oh, shit. What's that? It's a documentary about uh, prostitutes the world over. Uh, so it's it, it starts out like following uh, the adventures, <laughs> you know, the lives of uh, prostitutes in Thailand. And then it goes over to uh, India and then Mexico. And the prostitutes, sex workers, I should say, in Mexico were all praying to like these uh these death candles you know like the with the skeleton like i didn't know what it was and and they were like 
they were like, you know, oh, they were saying like, oh, you know, death, like, please, uh, like lady death, like help me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I need to get uh, so many clients today. I need to make this much money. Get that cheddar, yeah, yeah, girls. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's funny because the ones in Thailand were actually praying to Buddha for the same thing, you know, like. No yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were all, they would all like uh, go and like make an offering to the Buddha statue before going to work and be like, please send me a lot of clients today. I need to pay my rent, you know. Um, so, and I was all like, what are these, you know, like I know who the Buddha is, but the Mexican one, I didn't even think about it. Like I, I watched it and I was like, I don't know what that is. That's weird. And then I didn't think about it again until uh, like I started reading that article today mm-hmm. for this episode. And I was like, oh, that's who that was. Like that, that the, uh, the sex workers in, uh, it, was, it was like in, in uh, somewhere in Sonora. It was pretty close to where we are. Okay. Know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah. The interesting thing is because, yeah, people will pray to her to get out of jail. And there's, so um, it's known that the Mexican government is super corrupt. And so people will pray to, you know, don't let me get wrongfully convicted. Mm. Don't let me get convicted even though I totally did it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so she's very popular amongst the criminals. Um, But she's seen as like the no judgment saint. So you can come to her with anything. Because, yeah, if you, like people come to religion and they pray on like the things they want or need in their life. And if you are a sex worker and you're trying to make some money to pay your rent, like that's what's on your heart. That's what's weighing heavy on your heart. The same way that like, you know, somebody might have a health concern or a relationship concern. Like it's you, you pray about the things that weigh heavy on your heart. And if you need to make rent, that's what, that's what's weighing on you. Yeah. So you can go to the saint and, and pray to her about the things that actually matter. Instead of if you were trying to fake it and going to a traditional church, you would be, you know, praying to things that weren't really your concern. Yeah. Like you would. Yeah. I mean, like you can't pray to Jesus to send you, some johns because because jesus is like no no <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that at all you know yeah you're like, oh, too, too bad i have to this is where yeah. i'm at you know like you said it's like the church that meets people where they actually are you know so so i yeah, yeah i really liked that um i'm sad the government decided that this isn't a real religion because i mean any religion that promotes condom use especially like a branch yeah. of catholicism yeah. um would be really great because we should try and go find something. I mean, we're in Arizona. We should yeah. see if we could find something local. You know, that's like a service that's doing like. A, oh. It would be amazing. Like I would, I would go to that if you if you want to go. I so. once went went to a church <laughs> service. It was like in some sort of native service in the city of Guadalupe. Oh, I love um, Guadalupe because there's okay. There's a town out here. Is it sovereign from Phoenix or is it just feels sovereign? I think it's its own town. It's uh, yeah. It's its own town and it's all is it's natives right. Well, it's like Little Mexico, as I, yeah. as I understood it. It's basically like a little Mexican town on the outskirts of Phoenix, or yeah, and it South doesn't. Yeah. It's it like you'll be in in Phoenix, and then you'll be in, and it looks like Mexico, and it functions like Mexico, and yeah. they have their own government. I went to a, uh, some sort of service there once. I can't even remember why. Hmm. Oh, I used to do like volunteer work for um, political stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and it was, I think we were having a meeting about um, the the ice crackdowns at the time. Oh, yeah. And 
having volunteers go like videotape them like follow police radars and then videotape the police so that they would be obligated to follow the laws (laughs) when um you know harassing people for their skin color yeah that guadalupe might be like on a reservation i'm not sure i went there once yeah like 11 12 years ago with somebody with a friend of mine because she was like you haven't been to guadalupe you gotta check it out we went to some store and she was buying like you know that metal art that everyone buys there <laughs> you know <laughs> like a metal sun to hang on your wall outside your house you know? oh yeah like that, the bronzy stuff yeah, that's that, welded together yeah uh-huh. exactly that that stuff you know but i was like oh this is a really cool town like i i dug it and then if you've ever been to south tucson which is actually a separate city from oh. tucson itself it's very similar to to guadalupe <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've actually been to south tucson more than i have to guadalupe uh but it's, they're very similar yeah, yeah interesting mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll do a pup date and like have gotten to the bottom of what, uh, the town of Guadalupe is all about. Um, I enjoy getting to the bottom. Yeah. That's what I do. We all do. (laughs) We Mm. all do. Um, so the main saint that kept coming up in the book is Jesus Malverde. Ah, see. Um, and. Little mustachioed fella. (laughs) Yes, he is. And, um, it translates to Jesus evil green. Yep. (laughs) Um, because apparently green's bad. In Mexico, yeah, which I didn't know until today. That, yeah, it's yeah. some something about it symbolizes bad things. Yeah, bad luck, I think. Um, and he, so some people think, or he's generally thought to have been a real person named mm. um, Jesus Juarez Mazo, mm. and uh, allegedly this person lived from 1870 to 1909. Um, but other people say that he's an amalgam of different bandits, and this story has been put together. Yeah. Um, and it's not really, uh, not really a real person. Uh, yeah. Just like the real Jesus. Um, yeah, basically. But he's known as like the angel of the poor and mm. a narco saint. And he's a folklore hero in the Mexican state of Sinaloa, which is mm. that's in northern Mexico. That's part of the um, Sierra Madre. Yeah. yeah. I it, he, I need books to come with goddamn maps so yeah. that while I'm reading them, I can flip like put the map yeah have like a, a nice atlas map like uh, map on the back like inside back cover like that mm. area i kept so, going online when i was reading it to to f- verify where these places were because i'm yeah. like i have to see it in my mind i'm like wait where is that and yeah and if i like go if i let's say i pick up my phone to look it up then i'm gonna see notifications and shit on my phone it's gonna break my train of thought if mm. i have to google it so um yeah i'm just throwing this out there publishers yeah. if you have a book that takes place like where the <laughs> geographic area is specific to the story Put a map in that bitch. You're going to hate his book on Africa because there's nothing in there. And all the the stuff I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea where any of the stuff is. I buy stuff from this company called AliExpress. You order shit straight from the sweatshop and they sell. And it's like a dollar. Everything's a dollar. And they sell maps. And I will just order a big old map (laughs) of Africa. And I will hang it on the wall over my bed so that as I'm reading it, I can just look at it. Because when you're a kid and you read kind like children's books, storybooks often have, I'm not talking about picture books. I'm talking about like some Narnia shit. Mm -hmm. They have maps in those things and it helps a lot. Yeah. Even like Tolkien put maps of like Middle Earth and like where the elves were and like where the hobbits were going and all, you know, 
It helps. <laughs> it does help. Here's the thing. Okay, you put a map in a children's book because you go, oh, kids don't know anything, so we need to have a map as a reference point. And that actually does help you learn about a geographic area. You remember it more if you've read a narrative associated to the area. But don't assume just because I'm reading an adult book that my adult brain <laughs> understands geography because yeah. it doesn't. You know the last time I learned geography? Fourth grade. And it was good. It was intensive. Hmm. I did go because I didn't go to school in arizona um i had good primary school yeah me too um <laughs> but but that was 25 years ago so yeah. um my brain hasn't withheld all that geographic information and um put a put a map of them mountains in a book yeah i mean i agree with you i think 100 percent. yeah because i was like wait a minute sinaloa where's sinaloa in relation to durango in relation to chihuahua you know so it's and and maybe we should know more because they are our neighbors but we should but we don't that's we. where i'm at is i don't know more um so he is a folk hero in sinaloa he's a robin hood type figure mm. um there's a shrine to him in here we go culiacan mm, nice which is the capital of sinaloa and it was built in the 1970s um and he's basically become the patroncy of the drug trade is that who those guys pray to in uh, breaking bad yes it okay. is i thought so yeah um it's funny because everything every article i pulled up about jesus malverde referenced as seen on <coughs> breaking bad yeah <laughs> apparently there's a series of three films um that are called like jesus malverde one two and three and mm. they're about the drug trade between Mexico and California. They're like three separate storylines involving the drug trade, but he's featured prominently in them. So it mentioned those and then breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, and apparently traffickers, uh, this is, this didn't come up in the, in the book that we read, but, um, one of the articles said tra uh, traffickers use his image to spin what they do um, into like a positive thing like, oh, we're stealing money from the rich drug addicted mm. gringos and sure. putting it back into building our communities, mm. which is kind of true. Yeah, I don't know how much community building they're really doing, but I think they funded uh, schools and shit. I think I remember yeah. that from the book. I think there's a few instances where they've done some stuff, but they also do a lot of violence they do a lot of violence and I mean, bad I'm, yeah and i'm not trying to i mean i i totally agree with you the fact that yeah this the, all that violence exists solely because of america's unending appetite for getting high so yeah well that's how people justify their bad behavior kind of like the entire city of miami was built on cocaine money yeah that movie what is it called cocaine cowboys yeah <laughs> uh, i follow this girl on instagram um look up a pretty cool hotel tour and her and her husband um travel the country uh to themed motels mm -hmm. that's like their jam and she was like why are there so many themed motels in miami because she was posting pictures from one and i just wrote back the entire city's founded on cocaine money and it's a hell of a drug <laughs> like cocaine's gonna make you want to build a suite with all mirrored walls yeah. and a heart-shaped hot tub like yeah. that's cocaine yeah inspiration I've, I've heard that uh the 
like entire country of Panama is built on on drug money as well. Oh. Like, like particularly the I don't know what the capital of Panama is. It Panama City? I mean, I just think that's a city I, in Florida. But <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, the capital of Panama, like the all the buildings downtown were supposedly basically because there was all the drug dealers, like uh, what's his name, Pablo Escobar, and like all those big guys, where they all put their money in the bank of Panama oh. because they didn't ask any questions. They were just like, oh no, so like all that money went towards building. It basically brought Panama from like this backwater, you know, uh, Central American nowhere country to you know financial <laughs> financial success. It brought him into like the 21st century. Uh, um, all that drug money. Interesting. Well, that's what he uh, Richard Grant was saying in this book because like basically you have people living in like huts. Yeah. And then you have people living in well. Oh, what was it? The first thing you buy is new clothes. Then you buy a truck. Yeah. And then something else, but like so a lot the of the last them, thing you do is is you fix up the house. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, so they all have these really nice trucks, and there's a television in every home, and there's streets and mm-hmm. hotels and stuff, and so the money is being used somewhat. Yeah. To for infrastructure, <clears throat> um, and of course, like the police are all in pocket with the cartels. Oh, yeah. I mean, and honestly, you have to be for survival. He yeah. he talks about how like the army is less in the pocket, yeah, of the cartel, but sometimes they are, yeah, um, because the army's sent in to burn down marijuana crops, but like they'll target it based on like if they're one if they're in cahoots with one cartel then they'll burn down the other cartels right. shit um it's like none of it is just like in the movie traffic you know if you ever saw that you know, yeah but, yeah like the guy who's like the mexican drugs are basically is focusing all his energy on one cartel because the other cartel is paying him to, so he's he's like breaking up this this cartel like oh man he's really going to war in that cartel it's like yeah because the other cartel's is giving him all this yeah. money to do it, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, if this is how people excuse their bad behavior, it's like, yeah, I kill people, but it's people who threaten the money that I'm making that is helping mm. my family. Yeah. Or it's helping my city. <laughs> so, you know, it, they use that. Zach used to have this roommate who um, is big drunk, and she would always buy her boyfriend's, like, fancy gifts and so then when she because she's like a drunk mess and so then when they would call her out on her behavior she'd be like i bought you this i bought you Uh, that you know and so as if it was giving her uh carte blanche to be a train wreck yeah like yeah i wet the bed but i bought you a tv (laughs) that's like that's really the tony soprano argument i mean like if you watch the sopranos the entire thing is every time carmella gets pissed at the fact that he's a terrible person you know and he cheats on her all the time he's like Oh, but you like your mink coat and the SUV I buy you and this beautiful 6,000 square foot house you live in. I mean, you know, he just keeps throwing that in, in her face. Poor Carmela. I know. Yeah. I, I love her. Is Edie yeah. Falco not the best? She's uh, quote unquote the best. She is. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel that I would probably, oh, don't hate me for this. I think I'd be okay with being Tony Soprano's wife if he kept it all away from me all the drug drama oh lots of people lots of women would be his wife yeah i mean for sure yeah and i'd be glad that he's fucking other people yeah you know i'd be like well that's you know less for me to bother with yeah (laughs) there you go thank you for buying me this you bought me this nice house and these minks 
and I don't need to fuck you because you're fucking other chicks? Yeah. Great. I mean, really, she's got a pretty nice life. Mm-hmm. She's not directly involved in anything that he's doing. She's she's not culpable in a legal sense. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, one could say morally she's culpable, but, you know, but the, eh, the it's only, a gray zone. Yeah. The only way to really have fault with him is if, she, you know, if she truly loves him, which she did. And she, did, she, yeah. she wants him to be her husband and a father to her children. Yeah. Well, he's not doing that. Yeah. So if, if she if she loves him and wants to have a for real family with him, then I can understand that that would be a very painful, difficult situation. But if she's like, yeah, I just uh, I don't have to work. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a pretty sweet deal. It is a sweet deal. It's a nice looking house. <laughs> yeah, but if she, the thing is, then is she couldn't cheat on him, so she has to say, "Okay, well, I I can't ever have romance in my life." Then you know, yeah. didn't she at one point cheat on him? She is had principal or somebody. Uh, no, she had had feelings for Flavio. Oh, Furio. Furio. No, I know they never did anything. I know she loved him and he loved her, but they never did anything. But no, didn't later she dated like uh, one of the like principals or teachers of her son at her son's school? And it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't know. Yeah. It could be. I think they started something. I don't know if they ever. They sealed the deal. Yeah. But I mean, Tony was so flagrantly unfaithful that, you know, I can't can't give her any. But yeah, yeah. but that's one of those... uh, dual-sided cultures where it's like the man can cheat oh, all yeah. he wants but if a woman does and that was so that was in this book in it mexico up, yeah. how the men would have girlfriends all over the place mm-hmm. they'd fuck everyone but if they caught their woman cheating they would kill her yeah and there would be no consequences yeah them. it's yeah. grounds for murder yeah. um if you're caught cheating and like richard grant would you know these guys would be saying oh i've got a pregnant girlfriend here this or that and he's like but, like, what if she wanted to date other people? And he's like, what are you talking about? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not even a, a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do I really enjoy the chapter where he meets the uh, young gay man. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a great chapter. Because, uh, like, the whole time he's wondering, there's so much machismo down here. There, there has to be homosexuals, you know, but they're obviously not coming out and yeah. waving a flag you know but he did happen to meet a, a guy that spoke good english that kind of acted as a tour guide for him in one of the towns in sierra madre and, and he admitted to being gay and he said that all the narcos uh like getting fucked in the ass like they they like to be bottoms and, okay and that's yeah. he was like yeah if they get they they because oh because they drink to the point of getting wasted that's yeah. their bag they yeah. love it like every day yeah um mm-hmm. and so he's like yeah they get drunk like we hook up and so the assumption would be like oh well you're the gay and they're these macho men so they probably are pounding you in the ass right and he's like no a hundred percent they all want to be the bottom and that goes back to the theory that most people who are into being um who are masochistic Mm. they have high like high-ranking job positions like those are the guys who go to see dominatrixes yeah because they you know are they're in power all the time in their life and it's almost like a relief to lose that power yeah and so here are these super masculine guys who are killing people and moving weight um and they like to get fucked in the ass yeah yeah who can blame them i don't know i don't yeah enjoy that but yeah i mean nor do i but uh i thought that was interesting um yeah it's yeah that was a that was an interesting chapter um and me scratching my shirt yeah i'm not gonna edit that out yeah no, this don't. this goes up no. tomorrow morning so there's gonna be no I'm all, editing I'm, so I'm, I'm very dry and i'm all itchy because we live in arizona and it's 
winter time, so I keep scratching myself because I'm because my skin is dry. It's, yeah, because it's so dry, yeah. and then you're like, should I stop showering? Because I, yeah. I like these are thoughts I have. Yeah. As I'm violently scratching my skin. <laughs> I is did like, not shower today, so <laughs> you got to shower less. <laughs> yeah. I, I have friends. I can't do it. I shower once or twice a day, but I have friends who they're like an every third day person. I, I can't, can't do that. No, yeah, I, I do shower every day, but I like I I didn't shower this morning. I'll shower when I get home. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. It's in rough Ari- out here in Arizona. White people get ashy. We do. Yeah. We do. I recently had a really in depth talk with Zach about lotion. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he showed me this comedy bit of Bill Burr talking about how he didn't. Know, I've seen that. Yeah. He didn't know white people needed lotion until he hooked up with his wife, who's black. Yeah. And she was like, "No, you fucking need lotion." Like, <laughs> like he had no idea that you could put lotion on your body, and it's like, "Oh, wow, that's really soothing." Yeah. yeah. I, I'm the same way. I didn't figure it out until way later in life. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you can put lotion on something other than your dick because that's the than- only thing that I've ever put lotion on. You know, until that- I was like. Uh, 34 and then i'm like oh man my skin's so dry like what do i do We're, yeah maybe i should put <laughs> lotion on that like every man has lotion in his house yeah. but he'll have just flaky skin on his face so yeah. you know where the lotion is mm. going i remember once watching jersey shore with a friend like 10 years ago and snooki was saying like oh yeah when you're going on a date you put lotion on your butt make sure your skin's like soft and my friend was like you don't put lotion a man was like you don't put lotion on your butt that's weird i go the fuck you don't (laughs) head to toe like i had no idea you oil it up this is how dumb i am so like 10 years ago i went to urgent care true story (laughs) because and it was the same time of year like winter and i'm like yeah i don't know i'm just like i'm all itchy I went to urgent care. I went to see a medical professional because I was like, oh, just I'm so I'm all itchy. And this guy, I think he was a PA, you know, physician's assistant or whatever. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's um, it's Arizona and uh, your skin is dry. He's like, I'm going to recommend that you go to uh, uh, Walgreens or CVS and buy lotion. And put it on your skin. And I actually said, I go, I go, oh, I got a big thing of lotion at home. And he kind of looked at me <laughs> like he knew exactly, you know. And then I, as soon as I said it, I, re- I was like, oh, God. I was like, yeah, I, I'll put that on. I'll oh, put my that God. On. I'll put that on my body. <laughs> that's how stupid I am. I, <laughs> Scott, that story is as funny to me as when I told you about the owl stealing the old lady's chihuahua. Oh, my God. That was amazing. <laughs> I still think about that sometimes. It pops into my head, like, <laughs> randomly. And I'm, I was like, oh, God, that, that day that Sydney told me about that. <laughs> Just the old lady holding the, the oh, leash gosh. up in the air with a chihuahua. <laughs> Gets me every time. <laughs> well, um, yeah, from now on, every time I'm sad, I'm going to think about you going <laughs> going to urgent care <laughs> and getting uh, prescribed some lotion. Yes. Oh, that that's is... $200 I ever spent. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't handle it. Yeah. <sighs> Fun time. I got problems. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, I got problems. I was at an oncologist today. Did I tell you that? That's, a, like, that's wait, a, cancer a cancer doctor. doctor? Oh, my God. Why? What's well, well, I don't have any white blood cells. I'm, you need those. I you definitely do, and yeah. so I had to go to an oncologist like two weeks ago, oh and he was like, "Well, let me do some blood tests. Let me test your white count now. Maybe when you had this blood work done, like 
you just had a virus or something, so your white count was low. Because he's like, you seem pretty healthy, so whatever. So he does an in-office white count, and then he comes back. He's like, oh, no, this is, like, even less than it was before. So then he does all these tests. And I had to go back today to get the results of the tests. And uh, my white count's even lower, but so far, no signs of cancer. No signs... You have an autoimmune disease, so wouldn't that would that yes. be a factor? So. Well, yeah, and so then I have to go get a CT scan of like my entire torso uh, to check for tumors. But what they think is because I have endometriosis, they think the chronic inflammation from endometriosis is hmm. what's killing my white cells. Oh. So then I have to have surgery, which I've been avoiding. Ooh. And there's no specialists in Arizona that do it. Well, there's one. He doesn't take my insurance. So uh, anyways, that's my life. That's oh my, my fucking life. I feel like I spend all my time at doctor's offices. And at the oncologist, they have, you know, those little things they like. They're kind of like bobbleheads, but they move. Like they have like a little light sensor. It'll be like a flower that'll be like. They go, okay, they have like a wall, like this like wall, divider wall with hundreds of them. So you're just sitting in the waiting room full of people with cancer Mm. who are all 100 years old and dying. And you just hear these tick, tick. Like time is up. Like time, yeah. Like your fucking life is running out. And I just was like, how does this not drive the staff mad? This just constantly. Well, all I can think of is that when I came into your house just like half an hour ago, I immediately started making cancer jokes. Uh, oh, because you shaved your head. I, shaved, I was like, oh, I got the cancer. So, yeah. Oh, well, man, I am ther- the worst. <laughs> theoretically, so this is what the doctor said today. They were, because my blood work looked good. Everything yeah. looked fine, except for that I don't have any white blood cells. So they think it's related to the endometriosis. Um, and so, yeah, she's like, you probably don't have cancer. Like, my job is to rule that out. So we're going to fucking nuke your whole body. Um, in the CT scan, which is good anyways, because if I have to, I have to take, I can take that imaging to a specialist because mm. they'll get a better view of like what's happening with my lady parts. Um, oh, I got it. And, and because of all this, because of all this, I got approved for my medical marijuana card yesterday. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much. Wow. So that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. I had to um, download all my medical records to take to the weed clinic, which is like an empty office in a shopping mall. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, they're all, cause they're all just like pop-up businesses. Cause yeah. it's, it's a new industry and like, yeah, they didn't even have curtains in this place yet. And so, I, first of all, I download all my medical records, and there's, like, shit on there that my doctor didn't tell me about. Like, like my right ovary is stuck to the back of my uterus with scar tissue, like, Whoa. which is why it hurts all the time. Like, it had they told me that when they went over my ultrasound results, yeah. it would have been good to know because I would have go, oh, that's why I always hurt right yeah. there is because literally my ovary is glued to my uterus with scar tissue but anyways so i take the records into the weed doctor in the office that doesn't even have blinds yet and there's like bookcases but nothing on them because this isn't like this is some better call Saul shit yeah (laughs) and she like you have to fill all this shit right that you're in pain but she just like looked at my medical records and was like okay (laughs) you're yeah you're good and i was like thank you um so that's very exciting for me uh you better pray to jesus malverde i'm going to or um what's her name santa muerte Muerte. and just be like can you please fix my lady problems because yeah she's a lady so you should yeah she'll get it she will she'll get it like i mean 
you know, what's what's that little mustachioed guy gonna do for you? You know, he he's gonna be like, I don't care about women. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, I could rape you and make you my bride. Yeah, does that sound good? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, because I I can't have babies, so I'm kind of useless. Um, I mean, he'll still rape you. I mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, yeah. That's um, for sure. That yeah. is for sure. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an altar of some sort. Speaking of how like people don't want to <laughs> leave religion behind just because like their lifestyles change, because you said that at the opening of the show. Yes. I think about that a lot because I was raised super religious and like I don't believe in God and I definitely yeah. don't believe in the Christian religion. Like I don't believe in any of that, but Roger that. Yeah. there are moments in my memory before we became Southern Baptist, when we were like Methodist, where like there were things that I really enjoyed about yeah. religion, the community who doesn't like lighting candles yeah. And exactly. then eating yeah. yeah, eating donuts and chit chatting and like Yeah. Like there there are things about that that I uh I do I do miss. Um, you know, we had good times. Yeah. Uh, outside of the ranting and the raving and the, the hell and the apocalypse and all that. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe I'll buy another candle in addition to the one that I have in my bathroom. Yeah, I it's funny. I was thinking the same thing on the way over here. I passed a church uh, on the way to your house, and um, I was like, "Yeah," because it kind of had like these lights going, like this this string of light. It looked really pretty. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that's a that's a neat design." The way they did that, and then I was like, "Yeah, sometimes I miss church, you know," uh, but I just can't get my mind to believe that. <laughs> crazy <laughs> stories you know there's I, you know it's just not true but uh but yeah i think there's something to be said about just the piece of focusing your mind mm-hmm. and putting your consciousness on like a higher plane you know where you're basically not just thinking about normal day-to-day bullshit yeah stressing about you know screens and credit cards and you know and all you just you're like i'm gonna you know it's meditation basically it's just putting your yourself in a good headspace you know and connecting with like-minded people yes. because yeah. you know they they say loneliness is an epidemic and yeah. it's as bad for your health as smoking or drinking and like we are i feel like we're more isolated than we ever <laughs> have felt like a sense of community is totally gone despite all these tools we have to connect and so I, it's it's something I think about a lot because when when I drank, that was kind of my community. Mm-hmm. Like I would go to bars by myself and I would strike up conversations with people. Yeah. And um, when I quit drinking, like and and college was in a way a church for me for mm. four. I mean, I went for 14 years and I fucking loved it. And yeah. so it's meeting with people in a group working on a shared goal like and so ever since I left, since I dropped out of uh, grad school, I've it's been weird. It's I felt more lonely than ever because mm. like, yeah, I don't go to bars and now I don't have classes. And like I go, I like Disney a lot when I used to go by myself and I would like strike up conversations with strangers and stuff. And like I, but I don't have a lot of like in my daily life in the way that church is a weekly thing. Yeah. I don't have something like that. Um, I bartend, so I'm like a character in other people's mm. community <laughs> ritual. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not the ritual I want to be a part of. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the what the filler is for people who don't have religion but like miss the community. Because I like I like yeah. wholesome fun. My friend said yeah. your idea of a good time is church youth group fun. Like I like yeah. I like wholesome fun, but like 
it's almost like none of that is happening outside of religion. I want to start, I've wanted to start for a long time, some kind of like weekly or monthly group meeting that's, that's kind of, you know, people just get together like a salon almost, yeah. you know, uh, where you can have interesting conversations and invite speakers to talk about things, you know, um, but then also do stuff like, you know, roast marshmallows over a campfire. Yeah. And, you know, horseback riding or something. Yeah. Eat ants on a log. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like just, um, well, you should maybe start with uh, just uh, inviting people over. Because you have a I, lot of smart yeah. friends. Not re- I mean, you know, anymore. I don't I no. don't hang out with anyone anymore. It's like I never see anyone. Everyone's busy. They've all yeah. got kids now. And, you know. Was, I, I feel like my kids. schedule is super alienating because I only have yeah. like one night off a week, which is like I don't get to I don't get to see you. Like I don't see yeah. anyone ever. It sucks. It is. It's t- it's tough. Yeah. Well, tough, tough ma- situation. as soon as football ends and I have Sundays off, maybe we can there start you. hanging out. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to st- yeah, pencil that in. Okay. Put that on my calendar. Yeah, because I I miss having at least like a weekend day off because that's when I could yeah. theoretically make plans to see people. Yes. Um. And uh. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's like this um thing called Camp Grounded that's getting kind of big. Have oh, you heard of this? Uh. Uh-uh. It is basically like summer camp for adults. I think it's based in California, uh, but it also there's no uh, like screens allowed there. Like you uh-huh. leave your smartphones behind, and uh, every there's like no technology. So, oh. but you can do things like take canoeing, you go canoeing, you know, go hiking, uh, sing campfire songs. You can do like arts and crafts. I it's, love all of that, but it's all for grownups only. Like mm-hmm. no no kids, and uh, there's no like no screens anywhere so that's yeah that yeah. sounds perfect to yeah. me um yeah because i just i like activities <laughs> yeah i love just like yeah i don't know crafts and cooking and like hiking and whatever i yeah talking, all the good stuff talking to the people yeah talking to I the li- people i like to see the people <laughs> I say, um all right well anything else that we have to say about narco scenes other than um i'm gonna get some candles yeah um i'm gonna go see if i can find some kind of like uh narco saint service or at least a shrine around here that i can go oh that would be cool yeah Yeah, let me know pictures um yeah and apparently there's some lesser ones like there's um a saint judas uh santo nino Mm. san nazario so there's like Mm different ones that are like more regional in other areas of mexico like newer ones so they're popping yeah. up we could make our own i'll make one yeah okay uh people Mc- people mcnulty his name is Pipo mcnulty Peep. <laughs> p-i-p-o mcnulty i don't <laughs> mcpeople <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> ah, make people. You Mc- must bless me. <laughs> Send me more Johns. <laughs> I'm in sales, so you know I call my clients John. Do you really? <laughs> Not to their face, but yeah. But behind I, their back? I, in my head, I refer to them as Johns. Like that's amazing. I, I gotta get some more Johns this week, man. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that because I call my I call the customers at my restaurant clients or mm. mis clientes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So maybe I'll start just calling them Johns. Yeah tricks so, yeah my tricks yeah like oh this guy's really real difficult john i don't like him super aggressive because <laughs> some of them are you yeah. know They're like oh this guy's too aggressive 
I'm not interested in your trade. <laughs> Take your business elsewhere. Oh my god, I love it. Um, well, have a happy hump day, everyone. Yeah, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, whatever. 